Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Today is May 27, 2021. <laughs> yeah, I took I, t- I took a few I took a few weeks off after the the positivity wall series. I um I felt like I deserved it. I was, you know, in a locked in tight schedule and I felt like, hey, um I should take a little bit of time off, retool, refigure, you know, figure out what's going on. And so um I thought, you know, was I going to, you know, was I going to bring uh, a behind the positivity wall? Maybe in the future, I'll go in depth into all of them and kind of give you that. But I felt like 20 kind of took us out well enough. So today, my hope is to bring you the the parenting episode that I wanted to bring it to you. And so that's what that's what we're going to do. Um, this is <laughs> the parenting episode. I don't know what else to call it besides, you know, an, an episode to parents. I think that's the basic way. This is a, a conversation to parents. That's what I can call it. And um, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of get into some of the the things I once spoke with um, one of the the teachers that is at Ryan's school, and she was talking about, you know, I should make some kind of video, YouTube video or something like that. Uh, YouTube might be more attractive, but in this pod form, you know, this will live forever. Um, YouTube would as well. And maybe I will craft up something like that in the future, but I wanted to definitely record this Um just because I've had this episode written for some time. I literally wrote it. I had everything kind of written. I would say that's about seven, eight weeks ago. And I just wanted to make sure that it was the right time and the right space. And it's crazy because literally the school year is ending in two days. Um, Ryan's had a great third grade. He brought home honors for a honor roll music, just being a good, you know, student. So I think this is the perfect time to do this. Um, and so, you know, and as we're starting this episode, these this is your, your club jam. You're in club jam. We're back in club jam, baby, to give you the announcements. And, and so, um, like I was saying, um, you may see a positivity wall uh, behind the positivity wall in the future. I think that's definitely something I want to kind of tell you some of my favorite episodes and things that really meant to me the stories. You're going to get that. That's going to be awesome. Um, I think that's, you know, I'm excited about that because I'm I gotta sit down and actually write that and put that together. Um, but this episode is is something that's important to me. I think it's important to have the conversation about parenting. I think that a lot of parents, I, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I think that people are trying to do their best, but sometimes when you don't know which way to go, it's like, how do you get there? I'm not going to tell you really how to get there. I'm not here to to be one of those self help book people, but I do understand that there are certain things you must do to create the stream or the line of, of, of action. You know, if, if you're not doing anything, if you're holding your hands up, this ain't going to work. And so um, as we go into our, the, the thinking out loud segment, it, it, everything that from once we leave the club jam, once we go thinking out loud into the parenting, everything is going to connect into this conversation to parents. And the thinking out loud is going to come out the gate <laughs> with, a, with a conversation that I really didn't write. 
and it's so beautiful. I'm so glad that I waited to record this episode because it's the right time to record it. It's the right time to talk about it. And um, I hope you enjoy it. So very, very excited to be back, um, to be back on a streaming, not streaming, but a, a recording schedule uh, after this parenting episode. There are a few other, you know, serious topics that are out there, but I will, there will be some stream. Um, I keep saying streams for some reason. I'm sorry. There will be some recordings or some pods that really are focused around current events. I want to talk about that a little bit more so that I don't come on here and just like have this big blurb, like, I'm angry, uh, but to have an actual dialogue to actually put some thoughts together from uh, you know, not only from a, a man's perspective, but a black male's perspective in America, just giving you that. And so some current events, some serious topics, and then and then on to some funny things, you know, to show more of my my lighter side. This we are I think this is the 54th episode that will be recorded. You know, I spent a lot of it talking about really serious things and, and really serious topics. And there is a lighter side to me. I think within the episode you see it, but I want to show more of it. And that's the focus. So thank you uh, for listening to this episode today. Thank you for coming to Club Jam. You're thinking out loud. <laughs> Starts next. All right. So you're thinking out loud for the day before we get to the conversations with with parents or as I said, it's it's going to it's going to start the conversation with parents. I guess this would be the <laughs> this would be the start of the conversation with parents, and I'll start it with a question: When you became a parent, what was the when was the moment that you felt the full weight of the responsibility? And what, what, what was that moment for you? I'll tell you mine. Mine was, and I've said this before and, and something before some episode, um, after the doctors cleaned him up and, you know, his mother held him and we kind of held him together, but I, I didn't get to hold him. You know, you have that moment on your own. And finally, you know, they got him swaddled and they got him all, you know, bundled up and, they bring him to me and I'm sitting in this this chair and I hold him and I'm just like, wow, this, <laughs> this being <laughs> came from, from myself and his mother. Like we created this being like, oh my goodness. I'm not, I mean, I'm what, 26 at the time. I'm like, I'm not worthy. I'm, who am I? Who am I to be able to do something like this? This is insane. Like, like you're going to let me go home with this person in, in a day? Like, nah, nah, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be doing this. No. And, and then I remember the words my father said to me. He says, once you, once you see your child or once you hold your child, he's like, the moment will come. It'll rush over you. It's kind of like water, like a wave crashing over you. You'll feel it. You'll feel your shoulders become a little bit heavy. Your head, you know, tilts down a bit. You feel a bit weaker because you know that this person, this being is, is, 
if you were ever at your strongest and you were ever invincible, because when you're really young, you're from 18 to about 25, you feel invincible. You're pushing through walls. This is the moment that will make you feel like you're not invincible anymore. This is your kryptonite, basically, for you nerds out there. That's for you. But I knew that this person was everything and that my job was to protect him, to teach him, to guide him into how the world is and be there for him. And um, as I said before, I, I, you know, I made a, I wrote a, I just wrote a little note to him before he was born about, you know, I would do everything I could to keep our family. I would provide, I would protect, I would fight like hell to make sure I did everything to keep our family intact. And I think when I got divorced, it was going through that baby book. It was hard for me to read that note because it's the first thing in there. Um, and then you get his, you know, I have his, the bracelets from the hospital. I kept up because I, you know, it felt like failure. <laughs> it felt like failure to have to get divorced and to have to go through these things that one day he will fully understand. Um, he's not, I don't understand it now, but he's at a point now where he's very inquisitive. He's he's questioning how things are because he can see the holes in certain things. And um, I think that's, that's really a really hard chapter for me right now because it's how can I guide my son through a very tough time in his life with grace without dampening or damaging the image of his mother. And for me, I've always had his mom's back. I've always, and I always will because we have history, we have moments, but there are times where it's, it's tough because a person is only giving you so much and you need more from them. Not more, not over a hundred percent. I need you to, to arrive at a hundred percent. And so for me, the weight was, it, it was knowing that, my life as I knew it came to an end. Now my life was to move into this lane where I was to grow, but I was to also lead. And so the first part of that, you know, those, I would say maybe the first three years was trying to figure out how to lead and be there for him and, and learn from him. And then it became, I had to learn that I can't just be this person for him and not actually take care of myself. It's the caregiver rule. Like uh, most times, if you don't know this, uh, a per the person who's the caregiver of the person who's sick dies before the person who's sick because they spend all their time focused on the person who's sick, but they don't look for the little things that make them sick or exhaust them. They don't take it easy. And so I learned those lessons about running against the wall, hitting the wall and, and, and trying to find my slice of life for myself. It's taken me some time, but I've created rhythms to actually help me. Now, that was where I knew the weight of it was. Let me tell you a practical moment where I had to put it in application. And I'm going to give you this story um, a bit diluted because I am not a person who's trying to bash anyone. I'm, 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 I've never been that type of person. I've always been a person who likes to to give insight because I think it's important. So, you know, you guys know I've been working back at work. I'm in another job. I'm in a different job from what I'm used to be doing. So it's a different field, but I've been doing really good. It was great. 
Everything was golden. All until last Wednesday. <laughs> um, so to give you, we're, we're going to do one of those things where when the movie starts, you're at the ending, and then I'm going to take you to the beginning. So last Wednesday, my son got sick at school. I needed to step away and get him. Subsequently, because of what happened um, with me having to leave and it causing issues at work, I effectively resigned the next day at 10 a.m. on Thursday. I was done. Boop. Gone. And so I had to make a certain decision because the school called. He was sick. I tried to coordinate with his mother. His mother was was busy. She couldn't go get him. So I had to go get him. That's my son. And, you know, he, he had an issue. He was throwing up. You know, it was it was embarrassing to him. So, you know, he's a kid. He was kind of upset. And, you know, he was he was happy that I came and got him. And he was like, thanks, Dad, for coming to get me. I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I hope it didn't cause any issue. And I said, well, it's never going to cause issue, son. I said, but um, let me let me tell you how this is going to work. I said, I believe I have a sneaking suspicion that I'm going to have to quit my job tomorrow. And he was like, really? He's like, ah. He's like, I, I thought mom was going to come. And I was like, don't worry about it, buddy. I said, can you tell me the number one thing that matters to me in my life? And this was kind of a sad part to me. And he said, your job. And I said, no, you. I said, you know that I am a hard worker. You know that I like to work. I like to stay busy. But what you don't know is, is how I am and, and how I move. I let jobs know the most important thing to me is you. I said the job that I had, one of the first things I had to do when I after I took my personality test was talk about how I like to be managed. And the first thing I said is my son is everything. He is number one in my world. If you can't understand that, then I can't be here. The moment that you cross that line and you make me feel like he doesn't matter as much as the money or what we're doing here, then I will be gone. <laughs> and I tell that to every employer that I've worked for because I do not play. And then I had to tell him this story that he never knew um, of a Christmas of the last company I worked for that I, I enjoyed. You know, I talked about the, that laid me off. And I've talked about this story, too, that pretty much, you know, I had a manager. There was a the after school program that um, they would have at school. I guess they were closing early and they were supposed to be open, but they I guess they didn't have enough teachers. And so his mom calls me and says, hey, we got to get him early from school. I, I don't know. You know, I got to do this. I'm going to be I'm going to be out of I think she was going to be a few counties over. So she wasn't going to be able to get him. And I was supposed to be a few counties over myself. Neither one of us was supposed to be in the city that our son was going to school. We we're supposed to come back and get him later in the afternoon. And so I called my boss. I was like, hey, I, I need to take the day off. Um, there's a problem with my son's school. And he's like what do you mean? Cause it's, it's around Christmas holiday. Like it's the, the, I think it was the Friday that they were getting out. And he was like, don't you have a school calendar? You should be looking at a school calendar. You should know this. It's, that's not like you to not be prepared. I've never seen you in a situation like this. I'm sorry. You're going to have to go to work today. And I was like, Oh, I said, well, I didn't think it'd be a big deal. I haven't used any of my PTO this year. I'm maxed out. I'm not someone who calls off. This is a serious issue for me. I, I need somebody to be able to get my son. I was like, I don't know. You're going to have to figure it out. That's what adults do. Okay, cool beans. So I'm hot. I'm I'm pissed off. I'm like level 100 nuclear. Like I'm 
I'm ready to give this man the business. And before I tell the rest of the story, because I have to remind myself, I, you know, usually I just shoot from the hip on these episodes, <clears throat> but I did want to make this one clean because it is, it is a parenting episode. It, it is something that I don't want you to be able to listen to with your kids because I want the point of this episode is to listen it, to understand, not just to reply. Uh, parents, we are in the driver's seat a lot. And so we believe just because we're driving, we can't take direction as a parent. And what I'm going to talk about, it requires you to take direction. Uncomfortable, but it requires you to do it. And so that's why I'm, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I had to stop myself because to give you this story at full tilt, oh, it, it feel really good. <laughs> and it, some of you parents may identify with this story. Some of you may not. The full tilt, this story is beautiful. I'm going to give it to you and, 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 and with no tilt. <clears throat> so I call my mom. Like, hey, mom, I need help. <clears throat> I'm Ryan, um, I need some help getting them. Can I bring them to you? Is that cool? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can bring them to me. My mom's a busy bee like me. We stay busy. So I tend not to try to burden or bother my mom with watching my son unless it's something she wants to do specifically cool with him or fun with him because my mom is in the streets. <laughs> when my mom has gives up, she turned that car on. She in the streets. So, I, you know, I don't want her to be burdened with it. And so she was like, yeah, bring him here. So I go to call my boss back. And keep in mind at the time, the company I worked for, we had two bosses who kind of handled. We had one that we called a handler that basically handled your PTO, all that. This is the person who um, basically just yelled at me. Now, my boss that I reported to that I had to send all my work to, he was cooler. So I call him and I said, hey, I just got off the phone with, we're just going to call this person Ted <laughs> for the store. Got a phone with Ted and he basically told me I couldn't take the day off. <clears throat> Sorry. And I um, I was kind of shocked. You know, I, I have all my PTO. I haven't taken any time off this year. And he was like, no, you haven't. He's like, oh, it's because it's around the holiday and that they're going to give you guys a free eight hours because you're working to um we were working christmas eve so the trick was to get the eight hours you had you had to work up until christmas eve with no call-offs and i'm like well this is i don't care about the eight hours i'm maxed out and he was like yeah that doesn't make sense he was like let me call him i said no don't i'm going to work today i just wanted to make sure that i wasn't being disrespectful i wanted to make sure that because i'm, I'm going to get him and i'm letting you know right now when he calls you your job is just to stay in your place and let me handle it my way. And he was like, you sure? I was like, yep. Me and talked about Lou before. Great relationship. I'll give you his name because love Lou. Lou is family. So I called Ted back and he's like, hey, um, you know, I thought about it. I'm, I'm sorry for before. You know, you're a really great employee. You never have issues. He's like, if you need to take. I said, nope. So I'm going to cut you off right there. I said, now is my time to speak. I said, I came to you with a problem. I came to you with a solution for it. I said, I never bring problems without solutions. And you decided that you didn't want to hear it. You were very short. You were very abrupt. I'm going to go to work today. I already have it taken care of. But let me tell you who I am. And I said my name. I said some curse words. And I told him, as long as you live, don't you ever address me like that. Because this is the problem. You may be someone who's a handler or a boss, but you are not my dad. And you are not anybody in my life 
that has the authority to talk to me like that. I don't talk to my son like that. I will not be talked to like, like that. I'm a grown man, so you better learn to respect and treat me as such. Are we clear? And he was like, yeah. Keep in mind, this guy is all six foot four, probably 260. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because six months later, this is how petty I am. We are, we're in Dallas, and we're all meeting. And I'm at the bathroom talking to, to one of my teammates. And then I see him come around the corner. I say, hey, I got to go talk to him. He's like, you're still on that? I'm like, I got to finish it. So I go up to him and he sees me. He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing well. I just want to reiterate what I talked about six months with you. Do you understand? He's like, oh, no. He said, look. He said, and he told me, he said, I want to apologize. He says, as someone who has three kids himself, who has a wife at home, I don't understand what it's like to be a single dad and have the split custody and things like that. I apologize. I was completely wrong. And he says, I will say this, that it it humbled me that you called me out. And he said, yeah, the curse words probably weren't a good idea. He's like, but you had, you were not afraid to call me out. And he says, that's how I can tell you're a great dad because you're not going to let anyone walk over top of your son or anyone you love. And he says, that's why you're such a great employee because you care not only about the customers, but you care about what we're doing here. And he says, I apologize. I hope that you accept my apology and I thank you for your work. He literally, I literally was about to ramp back up on him, but he literally took the words right out of my mouth. So let's go back to where we are current day. I quit. I, I quit the job because I basically was, you know, I had some things that had to be done. Told my boss about it. They said they were going to take care of it. They didn't take care of it. I come back the next day. They want me to make up the time. Mind you, I have PTO. They want me to make up the time. I'm like, "Mm, I still have commitments outside of the work that I have to attend to. It's like, oh, don't worry about it. We're just going to bang through this. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not. And then I typed up my email. And I pulled pulled their computer. I boxed up all their stuff. (laughs) And it's going out today. Actually, I got a FedEx pickup. So I got to listen for that. I don't play when it comes to my son. I quit my job because I don't play when it comes to my son. Right now in this country, the government wants you to believe that people don't want to work. There will always be a small percentage of people who don't want to don't want to follow the rules, who want to cause problems, who don't want to work. But it's it's no more than 10 percent. There are people who refuse to work for crappy wages or crappy situations. And as a parent, I constantly am tested because I don't get the option like his mother to make a choice where it just benefits me. There are times where I have to make the choices that are what's best for him. And what's best for him sometimes ain't is not best for me. You know? I was trying to have a hot boy summer. <laughs> I can't do that when, when I don't have a steady income coming in. Well, I, I asked that I could because I'm I'm really good with my money. and I didn't touch any of my money when I was unemployed before. So I could, but I'm the type of person who doesn't believe that old money exists. So old money is there to take care of certain things. Old money is not something you can spend and buy things with. You need new money to do that. And so that's where that, that thought process comes that I have to have the work to do it. So yeah, I, I've, I'm unemployed again. <laughs> But it's because what corporations need to understand is is that people are not willing to live this life where all they do is work 
and they can't enjoy their children. Now, <laughs> I know someone who, who who does that. That's that's the other half of, of this parenting crew. And I won't knock her. I don't judge her for it because when I was in my 20s, I was like that. But that was way before I became a father, way before I even became a husband. In America, we're allowing ourselves to be a part of the machine that believes that you're supposed to work yourself until you're 70 and then die. I refuse to be that way. I refuse to do it. So I made sure I didn't create a bunch of children or a bunch of situations that would put me in that where I had to be a slave to my master. I have no master. I'm free. Corporations don't like that. So that is the, that is the trick here. That is the the question that when people people are so shocked, and they were shocked, like, oh man, I can't believe this. Like, I don't have a master. I'm free. That's the biggest thing I can tell you as being a parent. How can you try to lead or guide your children when you have a master? We all have to go to work. We all have to provide. That's what we know. But you can do that in a myriad of ways. But if you got to work at a job that you hate, a job that you don't want to do, a job that's not respecting you as just a person, <laughs> you're teaching your child early on that they'll always have a be, they'll always have to have a master, and that they'll be a slave. So nothing else comes from your mouth will matter, because this is the biggest thing, and this is what you're going to feel across this episode: is actions are most important in parenting. Not your words. Your words matter. But your actions are what they're sponging. They're watching your movements. They're watching what you're doing. And a lot of you think you're great parents and you're not. I'm not here to really call you out. I'm, there'll be some times I'll punch at you maybe in this episode. But you're not. Being a great parent, I don't know what that is. I do know that being a parent is being a leader, a therapist, uh, a mentor. It's also being someone who serves. And it's also allowed, also being someone who follows. You cannot lead people if you're not willing to follow. So as we get into this, into the meat of the episode of the conversation of parents, we're gonna lie, we're gonna lay out some things for you. I'm going to lay out the pillars for you. I'm going to lay out the system of how I operate. And I want to challenge you to be better. If you do not know how to follow your children, you're not effectively parenting. What you're doing today, <laughs> you wait for it at 18, 21, 25, or 30. Or like I experience and we experience in the black community, you wait for the children to turn 18 and they disappear and they never come back around. I'll leave this nugget with you and then we'll go into the, the meat of the episode. But a lot of black people have this issue because they teach us young, you know, I'm going to take care of you. So when I'm old, you take care of me. Don't work that way. None of us subscribe to be here. None of us. If it was a choice to be here, <laughs> some of us wouldn't have took that journey. Can I see my parents before? Oh, these are my parents. Oh, I can tell he don't like her. I can tell she don't like him. I don't want to be in that home. <laughs> so that's my point none of us asked to be here so none of us are indebted to one another and a lot of parents in the black community there's this debt system that never you never have receipts to it it never makes sense it's made with the craziest math and that is why kids are walking off and they're like hey i did it i did it with my mom my mom was emboldened 
to believe that I owed her something. And it was because it was instilled in her and I had to break her of that. Oh, I almost cussed there. <laughs> I had to break her of it because she thought that I owed her something. I had to teach her. And it was hard. It was rough. I felt alone. At that time, neither one of my parents were, were on my good side. Neither one of my parents were really talking to me because of the way I move. What I've learned in the last few years is my ability to trailblaze and to be convicted to what I know is what I should be doing. What I know in my heart is right is the one thing that sets me apart from other people. I am not afraid to get my hands dirty. I'm not afraid to have people tell me I'm wrong. When I truly believe I know I'm right, I will not leave this road. As a parent, that's what you have to do. You have to be there for your kids. And it doesn't matter. It's your job to protect them. I remember my, I've talked about this before too. Uh, my son likes to do different things with his hair. He, at one point he was putting color in it. And both my parents emphatically hated it. When I, my son gave me the courage to grow my hair out, do something I'd never done. I love doing it. They emphatically hated it. Made little jokes. I saw this meme the other day talking about parents. Parents are the worst about body shaming. And they are. Because they slide in little digs at you. And I remember saying to my dad, he's going to be who he wants to be. Said the same thing to my mom. And you know what he did to my dad because of that? He jokes with my dad that he's a crystal ball. You're just mad because you can't grow hair, Grandpa. (laughs) And it's beautiful. If you allow your child the space to be the individual they want to be, to flourish, to be who they want to be, They will find their way. They will plant their feet and they will start to bloom. And I I thought it was one of the most organic, beautiful exchanges. And my head, my dad cracking up because my dad had to go touche, touche, young man, touche. So, yeah, I'll leave you with that. Let's get into the conversation with parents. Yeah. All right. Parenting one-on-one is what I wrote it, but I I think I like a conversation to parents. So I want to take you through just some of the the thought process, kind of my um, ethos. Just this is how I see it. You're going to see it different. The point is not to be focused on how I see it. The point is to take certain things here. And some of you may be salespeople before, some of you may not. Point is to take what I'm trying to give you and use some of it in your style. There are certain nuggets here that they're just successful. They just are. Whether you like it or not, whether that's not what you believe in, I don't have to do that. Certain things that just work. And so um, we'll get you started. I'm going to start you with these, these six areas that I want you to think about. Strict is the way of the past. Listen to understand. Your job is to be a guide and protector. Your job is you're guiding them to walk their own path, but you're walking with them along their way. You're the protector so that they don't go astray. And then the four pillars to how this house works is love, discipline, structure, and time. Okay. 
The focus around right and wrong must be a part of their moral fabric. They have to understand that, hey, there's a right way to do things. There's a wrong way to do things. Look at it. Look at it like the scales of justice. There are scales for every, you know, we, we talk about equal reaction. You get a, you know, it, it's Newton's laws in a way. But we all know, is it right to just go knock on my neighbor's door and slap him in the face? No. <laughs> so you have to teach your, your children the right and wrong way to do things and handle things. And that is in every facet. You know, the way I look at it now is when I was a kid, it was the golden rule. We talked about the golden rule. And I, I to this day, I believe the golden rule is a is something that we should be talking about a lot. You know, and it's real simple. Treat others the way you want to be treated. If you if you live by the golden rule, nothing else that I'm going to talk about today will need to be talked about. But the golden rule should be talked about a lot, because especially now in a time where we're talking about um, LGBTQ, we're talking about trans. Right. We're talking about, you know, different cultures. We're not getting it right. Because. The reason why you have little kids going to school saying the N-word is because they hear their parents saying it and mocking people and doing it. It's not necessarily the words that they're hearing. It's the actions and, and what they're doing when they're doing it. Because you'll have kids say it. Like, I've had, I've had little kids say it to me, and I'll be like, do you know what you just said? And they'll look at you, and it's like, don't say things you don't know what you're saying. It just shows how stupid you are. I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you. I'll eat a kid up about it. That's the dad in me. I don't care who you are. If you're misbehaving, I will put you in your place quickly because that is what we need. We as parents have a responsibility to our communities. And in your communities, it, you safeguard children. You lead them. You protect them. You don't let them go astray. But we're at this point in life where we don't do that. You can lead, but this has to be a discussion. This is a... This is a ever-evolving, growing discussion. Times change constantly, so how are you going to explain right and wrong on all those subjects? You can't. <laughs> it's a tough thing. You can't. So that's why you're walking along their way. The point of it is, is, you know, when I was young, there wasn't a talk about gay people. Back then, you know, you know, trans wasn't really the thing. Now it is. That's the discussion I've had to have with my son. And about at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who people are. They're a person, right? Yeah, they're a person. So if they're a person, shouldn't we treat them with respect? Yes. Okay. If you talk to that person and they tell you they want to be known as this, then respect them as that. Even if you don't understand it, if you, if you need to understand it, seek understanding. But be cautious because some people are not willing to speak about that. It's a very sensitive subject for them. Just like him being half black. It's a sensitive subject when a white person starts to talk about the N-word around them. Like you don't you don't have enough context on that. <laughs> so be very careful how you explain it. And you have to give people the grace to do it. The reason why I say you're leading, but this is a discussion, is because everybody has a book about being a parent, how to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you, you know, kind of, I'm not really kind of giving you a guide, but I'm just kind of giving you what I live off of how I move. So everyone's got the answers, right? But 
you could raise your kid and your kid could still shoot up a school, right? <laughs> they can still steal some candy. The trick is this, right? You don't have any control of how your child will turn out. You play a part into it. Environment matters everything. A, a child's development matters. Th- their environment matters to their development. So you being a parent in their environment and teaching them and growing them in their environment being good, that's going to be everything for them. It's going to help them to grow. It's going to help mold them into the human being they'll be. But human beings are situational. (laughs) You know, I think about plenty of nights when I was younger that I went out with friends and people were getting drunk, people were doing crazy things. And I'm just like, I got to go. And the reason why I was like that is because I was I was very sheltered, but I was raised like there is right and there is wrong. And if you are 1% wrong, you pay all the consequences for it. And that and, and that is how you're taught in a black household. Okay? You don't get to be 1% wrong. If you're 1% wrong, you're 100% wrong, you will pay for the damages of it. And when people say, well, that's not right. Well, why do we keep seeing hashtags, people? Why do people keep getting killed? How are cops being judged during an execution? Or, well, the person ran. You got their license plate information. If they don't make, if they're not striking you, if they're not trying to stab you or shoot you, like you can just go pull up at their house and get them. I don't want to get too far off of why I'm here today, but that's that's the point. If I do something like that, it will be my life. I will be on a t-shirt. So my mom has always been correct about that. I don't get to share in what white people share in about being wrong. I will pay the ultimate price if I'm 1% wrong. And so that's why this has to be a discussion. You have to give them responsibility. You have to empower them to be responsible because that's how you teach them how to be accountable. Okay. Giving them responsibility will also let them see that as a power. Now, I've talked about this before in leadership on episodes that the scale of power, the person who is a part-timer has the most power. The person who's the manager has the most responsibility. So what children don't understand is you're the parent. You have the most responsibility. (laughs) You also have the most power. <laughs> it's it, parenting is different because you ho- you hold both of them. But the trick is, if you teach your children respond how to be more responsible and make them accountable, now they start to be a power part of the power discussion. You don't have to seed it, but you you give them you empower them. So you allow them. Like example, my house, my son knows. You keep your room clean. You keep your bathroom clean. You can you can come down and play on my computer. You can pick up my Nintendo Switch and play games on it if you want. It doesn't have to be this, hey, Dad, do I have to do this? This is a free-flowing, independent space that we both um, reside in. And because it is a free-flowing space, I have no issue with him sharing my items as long as he's responsible enough to know that when I turn the computer on, I use whatever programs I'm going to use. Then I close them out and I turn the computer off. Same way with the Nintendo Switch. I'm playing Nintendo Switch. I turn it back off. I put it on its charging base. 
That person has to be accountable for that. If a person is not ever infused with responsibility, why would they do it? They wouldn't. And you have to allow them to feel the weight of their actions. <laughs> you have to, because they will learn to make decisions in their best mindset. From from my son, one of the things that I, I came up in a household where you messed up, you're getting your butt beat, you're getting yelled at. So that was central to me. It was it was infused in me that that's how we preserve order. And it was completely wrong. <laughs> I'm not someone who really wants to to beat. I never was because I know what it was like for me to get beat. It just didn't feel good. And a lot of the whooping and that thought process it comes from a, a slave mentality. Now, I'm not telling you not to beat your kids. There are some kids who are bad who need to be popped. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you have to know your child. And my child is like me. We understand what we're supposed to be doing. We understand our responsibilities. And if we don't do it, we understand the consequence that we may lose something. So for my son, when he doesn't come up to protocol, he knows that I'm just going to go and we're going to turn the Xbox off for a few weeks. Or we're going to take some toys, as I've done before. We're going to bag them up and we're going to have him take them to the Salvation Army. And the, the phrase that he has to say is, hey, um, man, please give these toys to some kids who are good. <laughs> now, we haven't um, done that in a while. And I think we really did that before five because after five, my son gets it. Now, if I bag the toys up, I would just take them and, and, and give them to someone. But really, the toys aren't the, the key. It's the electronics. You lose Xbox. You lose YouTube. That's how I get through to him. And it's, and, and, and it's a constant thing of questioning his mindset so it's like it, he, for him one of his things that he's the worst about is keeping his room clean because he has a lot of toys and he he likes to have them all out well in my house the rule is when it's time to go to bed you got to put them up and the reason why is if for some reason my son stopped breathing if for some reason i had to go in his room and get something i don't i don't feel like breaking my leg or destroying my achilles because of some little toy in the floor I've almost done that before. Every parent can attest to stepping on Legos. Well, that's not good enough for me. So you have to have your room clean. And there's sometimes where he'll be playing, and before he goes to bed, and it's like, you got to pick that up. And the way I make him understand is I put the onus back on him. I throw the responsibility back on him and put it in his lap to make him accountable. Ryan, why is this important that you pick up this stuff? Because the last time you came in my room and – I, I had it on the ground. You stepped on one of the toys. You fell. You hurt your knee, but you also broke the toy. I like that toy. Okay, well, thanks for that. Go further. It's important because if you come in the room and something's wrong, you need to be able to get into the room without any issue. And because I didn't clean my room up properly, it caused issue for you in the room. I accept that. That's my point. You have to make your children understand how this works because they are, their brain is always firing off. They're trying to figure out right and wrong. They're trying to figure out how the world works. So if you're not asking questions, if you're not making them talk it out, what are you really doing? You're not doing anything. 
Being strict only makes liars. Deception becomes the art, using it to move through their ecosystem. They never learn how to navigate their own way. They become reactive beings, doing things to not cause problems or get in trouble. You want them to lose and get in trouble. No one is perfect. So in that section, really, we talk about a few things. I'm not telling you not to have a way of life. I I would not say that I'm a strict parent, but I believe that I am a straight up and down parent, meaning it's no nonsense. (laughs) It's real simple. There is not a a sliding scale of how you can kind of screw around. We're really to the point. If you do what you're supposed to do, you get the rewards. If you don't, you don't. There is no in-between where, oh, you did 50% of the work, so I'm going to reward you. No, it's an all-or-nothing proposition. I don't have to be all in his butt and yelling and drilling him because it's at the end of the day, everything we're doing is a conversation. I want to understand that he understands. So I have to listen. I have to hear him talk. The way children are talking sometimes, they're not talking on that rhythm. Like it's the same way when I coach him about his soccer, trying to tell him to stay in position. Okay. He has a thing where he wants to save everybody. He wants to help his teammates, but him moving out of his position leaves a glaring hole on the right side that allows an attacker to go through while he's over there trying to clean up the ball. All the other team has to do is put the ball over there on that right side. And that attacker is going to score. It's going to happen to him. It happened to him. Every, it's happened to him every season. And I feel bad for him when it happens because all he has to do is listen to me. We're like four seasons in and he's still not listening because it's natural for him to react. That is how children work. They are reactive. Being, they're, hell, there are adults. Man, it's messed up there. <laughs> but hey, it's my one slip. There are, there are adults who are still reactive beings. You don't want to be in a reactive being. That's why I say it, human beings are situational. If your principles, if your values are proven, if they're laid correctly, if your house is built on a proper foundation, when a situation happens, you don't react. You inspect it, you reflect on it, and then you move. But people who don't have the, the proper house set up, they react. They react for the moment. And then when they walk away from it, they go, did I do that right? It's not It's not what we're trying to do. You're not trying to make someone be a liar. So being super strict on them because in your life, like my mom is a perfect example. She, she lived a fun life. So what did she do? She was strict. She made the our environment very collapsible, uh, claustrophobic. You couldn't do anything. What did it cause my sister to do? My sister went wild now, not wild in the traditional sense going, but she was partying and she was having a good time. I didn't do any of that because she collapsed it in on me as being the oldest. You make people like that lie and you don't want your children to lie because the thing about, um, I would say about my mom, my sister and myself, like my sister and I, we can have very deep conversations because we went through the same experience. But my mother will never know some of the things that's happened in both my sisters and I's life because we don't trust you. Children are not going to trust that super strict parent because no one is perfect. Once you get older and you start realizing like, oh, man, my mom and dad had to do this. Or my mom, come on now. That's where you lose them. You have to show them that having the right mindset is vital. 
being the master of their emotions is vital. If they can't control their own emotions, then they're 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 already done because they're allowing other people to control how they react. And the big one for me is children worrying about getting in trouble. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to, and that's one of the things I constantly talk to my son about. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to get in trouble, but you have to look at your intention. If you sit here and you're bold enough to lie to my face when you know you're wrong, then you're being disrespectful. And that's one of the things that I always tie into lying. If you're lying to me, you're being disrespectful. That's not that's not what you're trying to do, right? He's like, no, no, exactly. So don't do it. <laughs> when you have to make a choice and lie, you've already thrown away that you're respecting me. It is so much easier if you just tell the truth. Yeah, I might be frustrated about it, but I will respect your truth because it takes an honest and a bold person to stand on their two feet and say, hey, I screwed this up. We live by very simple principles here, people. It's, it's just that simple. And so now the pillar system, love equals communication. It's not just the traditional sense of, oh, I love you. I love you too. I love you. No, we're communicating. Come home from school. How was your day? Always good. And my son does this thing. I don't know if children, a lot of children do it, but my son does this thing. How was your day? Oh, it was good. And I'll, and I'll kind of try to drill him. So what'd you do? I played. Who'd you play with? Uh, he won't remember. And then he, he'll ask me, how was your day? And I'll tell him what I did. And I'll, you know, I'll kind of open it up and say, yeah, we did this. And I was laughing at this joke that this person said today. It was so funny. And, you know, and um, I was so glad to talk to them today. And I got to talk to this person. And then what it'll make him do, because boys and men do this specifically. You can ask a man every day how this is working. He'll tell you it's fine. But by me opening up and communicating with him, it makes him go back and say, yeah, I was playing with my friend and we were playing kickball and I won three games and he won two and I was the champion today. And, you know, he always tries to cheat. He does this one move and it makes him communicate. If if you are showing love, communication is open. And that's very important that you remember that because it's everything. Discipline. Discipline equals trust. Okay. When you have a disciplined situation, when my son understands how the scales work here, is is that if you clean your room, if you get your clothes ready for tomorrow, if you have your backpack ready, then it gives you more time to do the things you like. I'm going to allow you the space to, hey, let's watch a movie together. Let's make some popcorn. But if you're not disciplined and I have to come behind you and hold your hand like a little baby, then now you have eroded a bit of the trust. And now you're not going to be able to have autonomy. Now I have to walk you. I have to pace you through your evening and what you're supposed to do. Okay. Now you need to make your lunch for tomorrow. Now you need to do this. But if you know when he like perfect example, a day when he wakes up, he wakes up, brushes teeth, takes his vitamins, goes downstairs, gets his lunch out the refrigerator. He's dressed. He's ready to go. Perfect night. And he comes home, come home, take your bath, feed you, you know, do whatever homework that he needs to get done. Most likely he's done it at school already. And then from there, get your clothes ready for tomorrow. If you, if you, one of the steps that he kind of messes up on sometimes is not getting the clothes ready for tomorrow. So I'll ask him, I'll wait and I'll wait. I'll wait <laughs> till like seven o'clock. And I'm like, did you get your clothes ready for tomorrow? Oh no. All right, cool. So this is how, this is how the rest of your night's going to go. Okay. 
You're not going to be able to play your game for the rest of the night. Go ahead and put on a movie and go ahead and get in the bed. You better believe that he's gotten better about it. So to be disciplined requires trust. They go hand in hand together. Structure equals order. Okay? Like I told you before, gets up in the morning, gets his vitamins. We have a certain structure. Okay? We have to leave at a certain time. We have to be at the door at a certain time to get to a school on time. Okay? When we, Saturday, when we're going for a soccer game, we have a, a way we do stuff. We kind of have our, like, pregame. We're driving. So we go to Starbucks. We get a, He gets a frap. I get one of the refreshers. He gets a cake pop. And we listen to music. We get hyped. We have to leave at a certain time. He knows. He has to wake up. His uniform will be ready for him. It'll be washed and ready to be laid out with his socks and his cleats. All that's done because I have the structure and the commitment to him that I will have it ready. And his response is to make sure that an hour before we're supposed to leave, that he's gone downstairs, made sure he has everything he needs. And then he comes back to me and says, everything's good to go. When it's almost time to leave, we put on the uniform. We get out that door on time every time. We always leave an hour before the game. That way we, we, you know, we get there before traffic. The structure only works if there is this maintaining of the order. Doesn't mean people have to be really, really hard or strict. It just means that we both hold ourselves accountable. You know, he knows today is Wednesday. So I got to, I'm washing his clothes now, getting them ready. But on a Friday when he comes, he's like, hey, where's my uniform? That is the structure we have set up. If it's not washed by then, hey, dad, you need to get on your business and get this uniform washed. Or you know what? Hold on. I can do it. Let me find it. Okay. I'm. You got some clothes you want me to put in the washing machine? All right. Boom. He knows how to do it. And the last one, time. Time equals sacrifice. When you are giving time to your child, you're sacrificing time from yourself. But you're also gaining time for yourself. It's kind of like this double-edged sword in a way. You are, I'll take it back to when I had my son, I was taking, before that I was taking trips to Tampa every year with my friends who were going to baseball games. It was so fun. And the first thing I thought about having him was like, man, I want to take him to Tampa and let him experience some of that. And it's going to be different. But it'll be fun. And I remember we did it a few years ago, and he was just like, baseball's boring. <laughs> and this is after he got to go on the field. But part of the, the time is, yes, I sacrificed some of myself from my friends, but I gained so much perspective by having time with him. They go hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other. If you are not putting in the time, you are not sacrificing from other things that you may want to do for yourself. You have to. Now, you can balance the book. I've spent the last seven years learning how to balance that book because I was very uh, heavy towards him and I wasn't doing enough for myself. You have to learn how to manage that time properly. It can be done because I've done it. Taking trips by myself and done things with friends um, outside of the time I'm, I'm allotted with him. And then when I'm with him, hey, it's all about him. But for those parents who are making the excuses of, I got to live my life. Okay. Remember that when they turn 18 and they tell you, you ain't nothing and you crying and you mad because they don't want to want you in their life. 
see a lot of people just graduated right a lot of people showed up to graduations and was hugging kids and they wasn't doing crap for them kids put on shirts like they was really something and the kids smile that couldn't have been me it's part of the reason why i didn't walk the stage because you can't just show up at the last minute and think it's cool and then you get to have that moment that's my moment it's not yours see i'm the type of person i can be real real petty because i don't forget i forgive but i will never forget the golden rule, like I talked about before, it's not hard to do the right thing. Even when it's hard, even when you're going to lose, it's not hard when you know it's the right decision that you're supposed to do. That's the mindset you're supposed to be teaching your children. And if you ain't doing that, well, <laughs> I don't really know what to tell you. We'll keep this, uh, we'll keep this discussion going. As, as we move forward, but as I said, pillar system, love equals communication, discipline equals trust, structure equals order, time equals sacrifice. Yeah. All right. So we gave you the structure. I should say we gave you the, the pillar system there. And so to kind of give you a little bit you know, more of how that pillar system equals into to action. I know I've said a lot and a lot of parents would be like, mm, you talking about the crazy, you talking about a situation where kids is just perfect. My kid's not perfect. My kid tries me all the time. You have to remember they're a human being. They have emotions just like you do. If you believe that the absolute, just being absolute about everything is going to get the job done, you may raise a kid. They may go to college. They may do all of that. They're going to grow up and they're going to have some resentment towards you. You can't stop resentment and regret. But what you can do is try to create a, create a situation where you create balance in the home to where the kid feels like they're armed to make any decision that they face. And when they face ambiguity or they face the uncomfortable, they go back to the system of which they were taught to infer and discern how much information they can put together to make the best possible decision. That is what Parenthood 101 is, people. It's arming them with the knowledge, with the skills to be able to face any and all you know, problems, possibilities, tasks at hand. It is not, let me put them in the box, let them try to live, let me live my life through them. No, that's <laughs> that ain't gonna work. I see you parents on Saturday at the game. You know, if your kid ain't scoring, you mad at them. It's like, no, nah. I coach my son hard, but I coach him hard in a way that I know he has to be improved. It, it, it's a positivity sandwich. Hey, great job out there. Hey, you cleaned up the back. Hey, you scored a goal. Okay, tell me what you saw. Tell me what went good for you. This went good. Tell me what what, what didn't go so good. Uh, I don't think I stayed in my position. No, you didn't. <laughs> you did it nine times. <laughs> there were three times where they could have been scored on, but luckily your goalie cleaned it up for you. Do you want to leave your goalie alone like that? No. Or if he was going forward, there were five times in which you were supposed to be, you made a pass, you were supposed to move toward the goal. You didn't. You, you stayed behind the ball. Therefore, there was no one for that person who received the ball to pass to. Because you were standing right beside them. <laughs> Pass the ball, go to go. <laughs> That's what we do, right? Yeah. And so there's a way to be a part of your kid's life and see them do great things without having to inject your past 
successes or failures into them. There is a hierarchy in my home, parent to child. Most homes are like this as well. But, and most importantly, my relationship has to be one of equal connectedness. I call it the firm. I am a majority partner in this firm. My son is a minority partner. The percentage I say is a 90-10. The reason why is because if he brings an argument compelling enough to me, I can be swayed. I have been swayed. One of the ways that I was swayed before was about homework. I was taught you come home from school, if you have any more homework, you come to the table, you get it done right then and there. Then you go take your bath. Then you go eat. My son doesn't like that. He likes when he gets home to get out of the, the clothes he's been in all day, take his bath, sing in the bathtub, come downstairs and do his homework. And so he talked to me about it and he was, he said, you know, I just, I like to be in fresh clothes. It makes me think better. And I told him, I said, well, um, I understand that. I just don't know if that's the best use of time. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to start off. We're going to do it the way I want to for the first week. We're going to see how efficient you are. Then we're going to do it the second week. Okay. We're going to figure out what's most efficient and then we'll go from there. Deal. Deal. Did it my way. And it was, he was about, in, in the end, his way was right. I'll just, I'll just say that. His way was the way that was conducive for him because when we did it my way, there was a lot of rework. He was frustrated having to be in those clothes. He was frustrated having to do it, so he really wasn't thinking at full tilt. He was just kind of moving along to try to get things done. When he was able to take his bath and come back, then he was ready to get it done. He was able to complete his homework faster. It was done right. We didn't need rework. So... That was one of those situations where I had to tell him I was wrong and you were right. And this is how we're going to do it from now on. And he was like, really? He was like, I thought, you know, parents make you, you know, do it this way. Cause you know, in his mom's house, they don't do it that way. But at the same time, his mom has four children. One child does things one way. All children have to do it that way. So I had to tell him, I said, you have the freedom here to do it this way because you're the only person I have to pay attention to. And he was like, okay, I like that. So in that, in that, when I talked about the connectedness, we talk about anything and I treat him as an equal during those talks. When an adult or parental decision has to be made, I allow him to go first and he can state his point of view. My job is to listen, to understand. And just like in sales, I'm going to summarize, I'm going to gain agreement on his argument. I'll proceed to show respect to the argument as I start to shift my role. So as, as I talked about, I heard what he had to say. I was like, okay, if that's how you feel, I kind of like that. But, and this is where the shift comes back to, we move from the firm to the hierarchy, to the parent, the child. We're going to try my way first. Then we'll try your way. We're going to figure out maximum efficiency and we'll go from there. He, in that, in that position, he feels heard. He feels like he has an equal part to the table and it makes him understand that this is process. He doesn't feel like he can't come to me and ask questions. He feels like he can come and ask questions and he's in a safe space. I'm affirming that he can talk to me about anything because I'm showing him that in a process like this, something that should just be a parent's decision. No, you're going to do it my way. 
that I'm willing to listen and allow him the grace and the space to move as he likes. So no longer an equal, you shift into parent, showing the child the rules or boundaries set to argument, walking them through the process, seeking understanding. You won't always gain agreement for set decisions. That isn't a loss unless the child doesn't feel heard. So the biggest thing there is, is as a parent, you have to shift. You can't just be friend. If you if you just take what they say, they're like, I want to, you know, eat Pop-Tarts all night long and I don't want to eat dinner. And it's like, OK, and you just do it. It's like you're giving away the hierarchy. There is still a hierarchy here. You still are the parent. So you have to act like it. we're not here to be best friends. Like I tell my son all the time, you are you are my friend. I love you to death, but you're my son. You know, one day we may be able to be best friends when you can buy me a drink. Right now, these first 18 years are not about being friends. It's about being mentor to mentee, parent to child, majority to minority. <laughs> like, that's what this is about. It's about guiding you and arming you to get to your best stage in life so that when you become an adult, you don't have to look back and go, I wasn't ready. My dad didn't prepare me. And like I said, there's sometimes where um, I think when it comes to like bedtime, bedtime is one of those that it's a constant, he's presenting arguments on, <laughs> I can stay up <laughs> to this time. I won't be tired in the morning. And it's like, mm, okay, well, you know, he gets a on a roll. It's like, all right, let's try it. Let's try it for the first three days of this week. So we tried it one time, gets up in the morning slow. I'm like, you're not moving efficiently in the morning. We can do that. May not be happy about that decision, but he understands it because at the end of the day, you I can't allow you to have more time up at night if in the morning you're moving slower. There is a time frame to certain things. And so that's the reality in it. This is not a a scale in which they it's a seesaw where it tips one way and it tips the other way. No, this is a sliding scale. And at any time it can move either way, but that's the communication that both parties must have. You can make unpopular decisions, even in disagreements. The bridge to achieving this action is trust. Okay. It just is. So we can, we can, like I said, we, he disagree. He still disagrees about the bedtime, but he trusts me to make sound decisions and make decisions being unbiased and impartial. He doesn't expect me to make decisions just because I'm like, oh, this is what I did when I was your age. <laughs> He understands that I understand him and I'm going to make the decision that's best for him. Structure, order, matter as you render judgment. If you understand your child, then you know what type of discipline to carry out. For me, it's a conversation. Set expectation. Do you understand expectation? Yes, sir, I do. Okay, move on. For you, you may have to have a longer talk. You may have to turn your webcam on at night and make sure the person ain't on. You may have to turn your Wi-Fi off. I don't have to do that here. I hear parents all the time talk about Locking the Wi-Fi down, like I could shut my Wi-Fi down. I have, I have control over the 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 hub to where I can change the password. I could just put put a parental lock on and turn the Wi-Fi off after you know ten o'clock. But I don't need to do that until we move into that structure where that's going to be a problem. Then I, I don't. We don't need to do that. At the same time, some parents allow their kids to close their doors in their house. In the daytime, you can. At nighttime, when it's getting around bedtime, you can't. 
the door stays open. <laughs> we're not closing the door. And we'll broach. I, I know when we get in those teenagers, we're going to broach that again. Because it's all about keeping structure. So I'll give you, I wrote an example in here. My son doesn't like lectures or yelling. I was raised with getting beat and <laughs> whoopings, but I find them to be antiquated. They are. I didn't like them, so I knew he wouldn't. He responds the same way that I did. Take things of value and watch his attitude and his performance improve. He likes his Xbox, so that holds high value. So that's what you come from. <laughs> and Xbox can do a lot of things. It, it's, a, it's a portal to YouTube, to Netflix. He likes all those things, too. If you can't play your Minecraft, you're going to make sure you act like you got some sense. If you can't watch that YouTube video, <laughs> you're going to act like you got some sense. Can't watch that new series on Netflix. <laughs> You're gonna act like you got some sense. As a parent, you organically learn the levers of your child's heart and mind, and you learn to press upon them. It's a form of persuasion. Some would say manipulation, but it's not. It's it's not manipulation because manipulation gets to the point where you're doing it for the wrong intent. There must be order. There must be structure. So we are going to communicate, we're going to show love to one another, and we're going to have the discipline and trust to carry this out. There isn't a need for an argument. Okay, A lot of times parents fail because they don't establish the rules and boundaries. Create the, stru create the structure that you require. Communicate the expectations with your child. If you find yourself in a moment of anger, then a situation about a situation that is causing you to raise your tone. Remember these two things, never curse or attack your child. This should be number one, but people lose it. <laughs> Use your words. Okay. We talk to, we talk about babies when they're becoming toddlers and toddlers getting frustrated and having temper tantrums. Use your words specific to this phrase. I'm disappointed in your actions. That's tactical wording. You go specific to what you don't like, what you have displeasure with, and you attack it with respect. If I tell my son that I'm disappointed in his behavior, I can make him cry. I hadn't laid a hand on him because he understands that word and he understands that that's not good. <laughs> it's not a good day. Cursing out a kid demeans them. Remember, they have feelings. You call someone a piece of crap and blah, blah, blah. What are you doing? When I think about this part of it, I don't know if any of you have seen the picture. I saw it on Facebook once. It's a picture of a kid screaming. And it shows like their head and their brain. And it's got words in every part of their brain. And there is like a mom yelling. And it's like a hand's coming out of her mouth, reaching into the brain. I think it's one of the most powerful images, I believe, and, and supports the argument that I'm telling you. They're human beings, too. They have their own set of feelings, too. How do you feel when somebody lets you down? You know, when my son asks for something and it's not time for him to get it, like, we have to work towards it. You know, it, it can be a goal. I, anything my son asks for, I try to put it on a metric system, like a goal system. So, like, he wants his Godzilla toy. I link it to performance. Go out there, score a goal, keep your grades up, you'll get the toy. The reason why is because I'm trying to show him that anything that you want in this life, you have to work for it. You can't just go, I want this. And so it's supposed to come down. All right. Money doesn't grow on trees. And if it did, I wouldn't be recording this episode. I would be gathering my money. 
And so I'm trying to show him that for hard work comes the reward. I'm teaching him that action by linking performance to the goal. Look, you do what you're supposed to do. You ain't got to worry about that. Some people say, oh, you spoil them. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't believe I spoil them. Because it's very simple to operate in my house. If you perform, you are rewarded. If you don't perform, you aren't rewarded. And he's seen that time at, at times as well. If he doesn't listen, doesn't do what he's supposed to do, then, oh, I want this toy. Well, hey, maybe in the future you can get it, but you know, you've you got to show a turnaround at listening and respecting and doing what you're supposed to do. He'll take that L. He'll be mad about it, but he understands because this is how we do it. And so like what I was saying about I'm disappointing in your actions, those five words will make any child stop arguing and start reflecting. This communication technique requires the affected user to own the moment. Comes back to what I talked about at the top of the hour. Responsibility. Okay. You as an adult, you hold the power and the responsibility. A lot of adults love to hold the power and none of the responsibility. When you make your child hold their own responsibility and they know it, they become accountable for their actions. And therefore, you can start to cede some of that power. By ceding some of that power, it will make your life easier in your house. You want to know why? Let me tell you why. There's a whole upstairs hallway. I don't have to vacuum. There's a whole room. I don't have to vacuum. There's a whole bathroom. I don't have to sweep or clean. It's not because I'm trying to have somebody do work in the home. It's because I'm making him responsible for the areas in which he communes the most. By making him responsible for those areas, he has to be accountable to how they are presented. I use those areas at times. I'm in that bathroom. I do things. But it is his responsibility to keep them up. And so the thing about it is when cleaning supplies get low or there's soap that needs to be got, hey, dad, we need to get this. Cool. It now allows you now have an active participant in your house. There's some of you who are being the parent and doing everything. And you're, and, and so when your day gets overloaded or something's wrong and you forget, oh, man, I forgot the soap. Oh, you get frustrated. And your kid's like, why are you mad? It's because you're not you're not making your child own what they need to own. They're functional enough. Okay, make them own it. They want to. They want to help you. But a lot of parents believe responsibility. They, they don't see the responsibility part in it. They see the power. Let me hold the power. The power is nothing. It really doesn't exist. The only structure of where you really have power in your house is the money. Because you make money, because you pay the mortgage and stuff like that, you have the power to be like, hey, you don't want to listen, leave. <laughs> but when you talk about a, a power struggle, there is no power struggles in homes. It shouldn't be. It should be an organic conversation that you're having with your child. You are the parent, so the hierarchy is going to come first. But you're you're working in a firm. You are the majority partner. You have the controlling stake. And they are the minority partner. They don't have a controlling stake. But they got enough stake to where they can 
cause someone to sit down for a vote doesn't mean <laughs> like I said, we've taken votes before. We've taken votes on real hard parental actions that I've had to involve his mom in. He didn't win them. <laughs> I'm undefeated, baby. But by doing it that way, where I'm listening to the argument, his mom has to listen to the argument. And I don't know if she gained from it, but I always gain more reflective points to learn about my son. Every time your child opens their mouth, it's an opportunity for you to learn. And if you're missing out because you're letting the world suck you up, then let me tell you something. Why did you have children in the first place? I didn't have a child so that I could work myself to death. I didn't have a child so I could stress about a company who doesn't care about me that will post a wreck as soon as I'm gone. That's not what life's about. It's not. <laughs> Life has been going on. We've been doing this over and over for generations. I'm not going to burn myself out when I've had a child and I want to experience things with him because my dad, with best intentions, was trying to do the best for me, being in the military and do his thing. But guess what? He wasn't there. I needed him. I needed him in, in that 15 to 18 range. There's a lot of punishment I took mentally, physically that I needed him for that caused me to have resentment, caused me to have regrets and a lot of anger that I had to learn to work through. But it took me another 10 years from 15 to 25 to really get a hat on it and let it go. It took marriage. It took, uh, uh, you know, fatherhood for me to go. People make mistakes. People screw up. People are you. People are faced with ambiguity and they make the best decision they can with the, the choices and the options they were given. So when I talk to you about arming your children. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling this to you to, uh, you have to arm them. You just, you just do. You want them to have an accountable, uh, an accountable, responsible mindset. Take that acronym. <laughs> That's what arm means to me. It means that they're willing to stand at their own two feet with their own two hands and go, in this moment, what should I do? I know that this isn't good, this isn't good, this is good. I feel as that I should do this, this, and this. So you know what? This is what I'm going to do. But if my dad, who his parents were married until my grandfather died, never went through divorce, he's gone through divorce as a first-generation person going through divorce, for the first time, he doesn't know what to do because all the children in his in his family stay in the same house. That's my point. Sometimes we're faced with situations that we it's the first time. <laughs> it's the first time we're handling it. So if you arm your child with a process, then they'll be able to manage the ambiguity a lot better. Hey, you can. Hear what I say, you can take it with a grain of salt, but the pillar system works. Listening works. Listening to understand does work. And having that person feel as that they're an equal partner or that they actually are an equal partner in the connected space is everything. Not an equal partner when it comes to me having to make a parental decision, but they are a partner when it comes into we are a firm. You don't have a controlling stake, but you have enough stake to cast a vote. 
And if you can cast a vote, it means I have to listen to your argument. We as parents are not doing enough to listen to our children. They are telling you what they want you to do. They're telling you how they want you to be so much. They're screaming and on TikTok. I'm very um, intrigued by watching TikTok because you see these young users using it and, and really getting over on their message. I don't want to hear you as a parent say in my day, shut up. <laughs> I don't want to hear you say this is how we used to shut up. Okay. From my parents who are baby boomers to me being a millennial to my son being a Gen Zer. Those are three generations that have three different experiences. My parents came up in integration. When they were born, it was still segregated. Civil Rights Act wasn't passed. Then they went through integration. They dealt with racism in different levels. They were in the pipeline that you had to go work 40 hours a week and kill yourself so that you could have a good job. College became this thing, so they shucked it on my generation. Now, my generation has learned that college wasn't a thing. You know why? Because it's the way that people, the capitalist machine sucks up your money and hopefully you get out of it and you find a good job. Gen Z, a lot of the jobs that are around now will be gone by the time my son is my age. Like I tell him all the time, we need to learn more about computers. You need to learn more about code because guess what? That's where it's at, son. You're going to be taking care of computers. (laughs) So what I'm saying to you is parents are teaching off of a scale that will be eroded or antiquated by the time their child is, is an adult. So why would you teach off that scale? I don't teach off that scale. I figured it out. That it's best for me to be connected to my son. It's best for me to listen to him, to walk beside him, and to make sure that I arm him so that when he faces certain situations, even when they become new to him, as things became new to me. I was I was raised by a woman to believe that women were all awesome and they were nice and that, you know, if you approach them properly and there was mutual attraction, you can go on a date. They wouldn't be them cheating on you. They wouldn't be them hurting you. They wouldn't be them trying to come after you for money. <laughs> I learned that. I learned that, hey, there's someone who just, they see you and you're a target. You're exactly what they want, so they're coming after it. Come on, man. My son's going to face first that I didn't face, especially now that when you look at how the world is evolving. So you can't teach children off of now. You have to be willing to teach them how to be ready for tomorrow. In doing that, the one thing that I know that isn't antiquated, that matters and still it will always survive the test of time. It's the golden rule. <laughs> Treat others the way you want to be treated. If you can start there, everything else kind of falls in line. So yeah, as I leave you uh, on this parenting episode, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Hope it made you think. If I was going to put a fifth pillar, it would be the golden rule. But the four, you know, they, they are very important. I hope it was helpful. I hope there's some things that you can take from it. Um, the most of all I would say to you is do not dismiss it without actually trying it. If you're not having conversations with your kids where you're getting the production you want from them, where they're talking and, and giving you things back, then you can try some of the things I said. I promise you, if you try it and you stick to it, give it six months, you will start to see your child come to you and there will be a dialogue that you'll get. It'll be tough at first, 
because it's something new. They're not used to you being so open. And that's the last thing I would, I would leave you with is you have to be vulnerable. Parents want to be these tough, strong creatures. You're not. You're crying in your car because you don't want to go to work today. Your kid may not see it, but you did it. I'm not saying cry in front of your kid. I'm just saying be honest. Be honest with them. Be honest and say, I tell my son all the time, this job ain't working for me. This job I may have to do this. I told him, I told him the day I got him that I'm, I'm probably going to have to quit. And he felt bad. I said, it's not on you. I want you to understand that you are the most important thing to me. Because this is the thing. We go out into the world thinking that children understand our interpretation of how we are feeling, and they don't. I made a promise to myself years ago to, to take off this mask where I hid myself from the world. I don't do it. I made a promise to myself, and when I became a father, I made a promise to him. Stop hiding yourself. Be real. Tell kids what's going on. Because I grew up, you know, my mom made the best for us. I didn't grow up with the most, but, you know, simple middle class. But I appreciate everything my mom did for me. Even when I wanted cool Jordans, even when I wanted certain things, I appreciated her effort. We are raising kids to be more entitled because we are believing that the materialistic way is the way. And you got to teach your kids better than that. <laughs> or my kid might pop your kid in the nose. <laughs> she knows it. I would like to take the time to thank you for joining this jam talk for today. That's it. That's the end. There's no, nothing else to say. Go back to your, your regularly scheduled program. Chew knows it. <laughs>